In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsen, because I can't say think anymore because people don't like that. With me all the way from East Bridgewater is the blonde bombshell herself, Miss Ann Kerrigan. Well, hello. How are you, Van Helsen? Van Helsen. What did, what did you say? Van Helsen. Van Helsen. Yeah. What about Van Helsen? I, I was I was looking at the, some of the criticisms of the show. And, oh, well. And, There's no uh, such thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, people don't like when I say Van Helsink. Oh. And we all know Van Helsink is Polish for Van Helsing. Okay. Because you know. Every Polish name ends with SKI, right? Sure. You know that. You know why that? <laughs> Not is? really. But anyway, because they, they can't spell toboggan. Nah, bada bing. <laughs> hey, I grew up with that joke ever nah. since I was a little kid. A little <laughs> Polak. Did. That's I, that's what I did. So a little Polak. Uh, that's know, not was, nice. <laughs> why is that nice? I mean, you know what? People are just way too sensitive. If, that's true. You know, they really are. You know. Mm. It's really funny. You get, I don't know, it just drives me nuts. I mean, you know what? I grew up with all that stuff where people, you know, uh, poke fun at you. They told the, the Polish jokes, the Irish jokes, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah. you know what? They were funny. And who cares, you know? And we all <laughs> we all played our part. So that was all. So That's true. Everybody's going to get over themselves. That's they all. really do. They take everything way too serious in this world, which is why we're having all the problems we are. So there you go. There anyway. you go. You've solved all the world problems, Ron. Uh-huh. So I understand the plague is going through your house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Easter plague has hit my house with a vengeance. But I think it'll all be gone by tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's that fast moving, is it, huh? Oh, my. Yep. Husband had it Monday. I had it Tuesday. Both my kids have it today. Uh, I hope I don't get it over the phone. And tomorrow it shall be gone. So there. Plus the, dog, with you. Plus, plus the dog gets it. <laughs> <laughs> my two dumb dogs. Well, one, only one of them is dumb. But uh, no. <laughs> Thank God they can't get it because that would not be any fun at all. No. But, anyway. Yeah. So we have an exciting weekend coming up. Yes, we do. 
Yeah. Very exciting. You and I and uh, Leslie Martin will be heading out to the Houghton Mansion or the Houghton Mansion, however you want to say it, but somebody will probably criticize me for that, too. I'm sure. So, anyways. Uh, I will, at least. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, I can take it for you, and I, I really, you know, whatever. Oh yeah, they don't like they don't like that either. So, well, I don't know. Maybe I should just shut up. They don't like maybe. my jokes. They don't like my name. They don't like my whatever. Man, we'll, we'll just have it'll be the it'll drawn bombshell holes. That's right. Do it all by yourself. No, no, can't do it without you, Van Helsing. So there, you're not allowed anyway. to leave. Anyways, uh, yeah. So we're heading out to the Hooten Mansion along with uh, Jeff Belanger and. Um, Darkness Dave from Darkness Radio, who we had on a little while ago, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. We did. It was seems like a lot of fun. I'm kind of looking forward to meeting him because oh, I've yeah, never definitely. met him before. Can't wait uh, to him. Also, uh, the boys from Spooky South Coast will be there. Yes. Yeah, uh, Tim and and Matt, and I can't say Matt's last name because I'll get Moniz. criticized for that. So Tim Weisberg and Matt Moniz. I'll let that one go. Anyways, and Moniz. That it's that easy. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, and also the gentleman who's going to be on our show, Charlie. Yes. And that, yeah, and that is Andrew Lake. So uh, it's, it should be a fun time. I'm really looking forward to it. I've been there many times. I've never been disappointed, so I'm, I'm kind of psyched. No, nope, it's, it's an exciting spot. I still I, – I get freaked out when we get upstairs and get in back of, like, that area in back of the Masonic Lodge – you know, where oh, they yeah, have like yeah, yeah. the uh, um, the uh, chamber there, psychomantic, psychomantium chamber. That's pretty. That's pretty intense back there. Mm-hmm. But uh, even just the whole the whole setting with with the lodge up on the second floor, and I mean attached to this beautiful mansion, it's it's, it's weird. <laughs> it isn't really because I have actually investigated several places that have Masonic um, lodges to them. Some of them mm-hmm. old ones back from the old days, and, and basically what they did, and a lot of these, they just took a, a room in a house and made mm-hmm. it the lodge. That's and true. so the, these lodges were part of a lot of houses. Wow! And, uh, but the whole mystique around. You know, uh, the Masons and their temple and, and all of that, I think it's, it's it's like being in any other, um, I guess you'd call it a religious place. Um, it's definitely it's, it's kind of, uh, I don't know the word for it, you know, you, it's not creepy, but, um, you know, you just feel like you have, you, yeah, kind of, you have to be quiet and you have to be respectful, but at the same time, it's got this whole... Aura about it. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's bring on Andrew Lake and see what he feels. Andrew, you there? Yes, I am, sir. How are you doing? Well, welcome. Uh, Hi, Andy. Andrew Lake of the the uh, Greenville Paranormal Research, and uh, also he's a member of the cast of uh, Thirty Odd Minutes and and a legend tripper and a and author of a book, so uh, you're an all-around uh, well-developed individual, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get around in the, in the realm of the paranormal, yes. <laughs> so, and for those who would like to know, uh, Andy's book is Ghost Hunting Southern New England. Correct. As Just opposed so. to Ghost Hunting Northern New England? That's right. Well, okay. yeah, that was uh, that was one of the uh, the issues um, 
uh, as um, Clarity Press for their America's Haunted Road Trip series, right. um, they had, they're doing state by state, um, uh, and in some cases like California, if I'm if I'm correct, they've broken it up into like Southern California. Um, as well, they uh, should. You know, yeah, in Northern California, and, and like then the cities in between, like you know, haunted um, uh, San Francisco and that so forth. But uh, they didn't have anyone to do um, uh, New England. And uh, uh, my editor, John Kachuba, who created the series, he knows Jeff Belanger rather well. Yeah, he knows Jeff Belanger rather well. And uh, he said, hey, do you know any uh, you know, ghost hunters that want to write a book? And Jeff said, yes. And matter of fact, I do. I was just talking to a good friend of mine, Andrew Lake. He was saying he wanted to write a book you know, with all the research he's been doing. And uh, that's how I got the job. And uh, they weren't sure if they were going to do you know, uh, state by state or what. And the, uh, after a couple of meetings, they decided to just do, uh, for now, southern New England. And uh, because of all the uh, traveling that has to be done for this book series, everybody who takes on this series has to go to the locations they write about. You can't sit at home like some hack and just <laughs> go to other people's websites wow. and uh, read, what, you know, read what they said. I was told, you know, you have to go to these places. But you just me, that was like, to probably half the people that write books, you know? <laughs> well, you know, and I'm being honest. I'm being honest. You just you, you look at some of these books, and you know these people never left their office. They just sat in front of their computer or yeah. uh, ordered books through Amazon and flipped through them. But uh, that's what's so good about this series. I mean, uh, the people who have written for this series, um, they've actually been to these locations. We've interviewed people fresh. Uh, we we take the photographs. None of the photographs are, you know, stock pictures. They've all been taken by the authors. And uh, but for me, that was like that was the the part that made me go, yeah, I want this assignment because it gave me an excuse. Now I have to go to these some you know to these places. I have to um, to make the book interesting. I did my best to find new places that hadn't been written about uh, already. And I was mm-hmm. lucky to find a few. But uh, as far as uh, Ron's involvement, I think Ron is, uh, out of all my colleagues here in southern New England, I think Ron gets uh, uh, more mentions than anybody throughout my book because of his <laughs> Really? I think, I yeah, think, I'm, I'm going to have Matt, to get this thing now. <laughs> Ron, and, Ron and Matt uh, and Moniz are uh, uh, probably tied uh, for, for mentions because, um, you know, anybody who knows Ron and Matt knows these guys are a wealth of knowledge and, and experience. And um, I went to the, the, uh, the, the Houghton Mansion once before. We did an episode of 30-odd minutes there, and mm-hmm. I absolutely loved the place. Even though I didn't get to investigate it, I just thought it was a, a terrific place. And um, when I, it came time to write my book uh, about a year later, I went back up and talked to Josh Mantello. He was nice enough to, to meet me there during his busy uh, uh, schedule. And, um, you know, he, he told me off the top of his head the stuff that, he, you know, he knew of and, you know, some of his personal experiences. But um, he was a little bit apologetic that uh, he was he was going dry. His brain was just – he had a brain cramp. <clears throat> and he said, you know, uh, you know who you want to talk to? He said, because he says, uh, if you really want to get some good stories, is Ron Kolick, because Ron Kolick and the New England Ghost Project was the first group and the Houghton Mansion to investigate it. And Ron, the stories you told me over the phone, I mean, I, I, I recorded you so I would make sure I'd get, get it word for word. You know, oh, God. And you, you, guys, <laughs> you guys had some really amazing uh, you know, experiences there. And, I mean, I can tell your audience that I've known, I know Ron well enough to know that um, he doesn't, um, you know, make things up just so he sounds like he's an achieving ghost hunter. You know, if Ron tells you a story, it, it happens the way he tells you. And, uh, 
your experiences, Ron, at the, at the mansion for your first time there. Oh, Andy, I, mean, I just have to tell you that the check, the check is definitely in the mail. I'm definitely okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I need, I need the money. My check engine light came on today. <laughs> well, you better get that fixed before you go to the mansion. <laughs> oh, yo, the weird. The weird thing is I already had an appointment tomorrow to get my oil changed. I have an excellent mechanic, so hopefully yeah. when he hooks the diagnostic thing up to it, it's uh, <laughs> it's just a vacuum hose or something. Yeah. Well, I'll have to take the Batmobile. Yeah, I know. There it's a go. long ride out to the mansion from here. So, so Andy, you, you actually mentioned something that was I found really interesting, and, and I was actually been wondering about that today. It, is it hotter and hotter now to find new places to investigate? With all the groups, um, like you know, when I started, there was like 24 groups in the country. Now there's like 24 in any block. Is it really harder now to find new places? Well, it, uh, that's a very good question. I understand where you're coming from, but um, look at it this way: um, Is it harder to find spectacular, historic places, uh, places that are really impressive uh, just to see, just to I, go to? Uh, yes, I think I think it, it's getting harder to find, uh, say, a new Houghton Mansion or Shanley um, or uh, a new or fearing, a fearing Tavern. Yeah, or exactly. Okay. But however, if you are, and again, I don't want to come off sounding arrogant uh, and aloof, mm-hmm. but if you are sincere about this kind of research, if you're sincere about paranormal research, you are always out there in the field looking. For information, it always leads to conversations, mm-hmm. and it always leads it. to somebody passing your name on to somebody because they're saying, you know what, I run a business, and I really don't need any unwanted attention, but myself, my employees, we got things going on here. Well, I right. know a guy who's very discreet, and in my opinion, that's what you want to be doing if you're mm-hmm. serious about research. It is a hell of a lot of fun to go to, you know, one of these big penitentiaries or sane asylums or whatever that that's definitely haunted it's in, you know the activity is incredible and it's a lot of fun and anybody who's not a serious ghost hunter but just wants to to do it for the fun and the thrill of it that's absolutely fine to go to one of these big you know uh, uh extravagant places where they have these big conventions and so on and so forth and celebrities go out with you and that's fun i mean i'm not knocking it it is fun but for me um, I don't have any trouble in running into people who want to share their stories with me or invite me into their home or, right. uh, or you know, come into their business. And I'll tell you, um, I know of a, um, a, a very famous television ghost hunter um, <laughs> who goes out to a lot of, of these, these famous haunted locations or these places that have already had a reputation, have already been written about, et cetera, et cetera. And for almost four years now, I've been investigating one of the most spectacular haunts right around the corner from his house. And, and the man knows <laughs> nothing about it because he's on the road doing a TV show. And I, I mean, we can talk. We, we, you know, um, we can talk about it. At, uh, you know, at, at some point in the show, if you want to talk about you know personal uh, uh, you know hunts that I'm doing nowadays. But mm-hmm. this place is so amazing. I cannot believe how lucky I am to have found it. Mm-hmm. And my my colleagues chuckle with me, and they're like. Yeah, because everybody's out trying to become a rock star and, right. and go out and they print they print up T-shirts uh, like that's the most important thing you have to do first instead of you know you know doing research <laughs> and uh, and I I personally myself and and the people who I respect and and work closely with and and share information with um, we have no trouble finding hauntings legitimate hauntings that will just absolutely 
blow away anything you see on TV, whether it's a documentary on hauntings or a fictionalized account of hauntings. Um, so to answer you know, the question, Ron, now, I, don't, I myself and my colleagues don't have any trouble finding haunted locations. And that and that's a good answer because you know many times that's that's what I get asked is when I do interviews and stuff or even when I interview someone in, in from another ghost group they say, you know how how do you get to go to all these cool places because you're always working and at least I am mm-hmm. anywhere I go I'm always asking questions I'm always talking I always let people know who I am but I, I don't do it as like oh you know. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, a celebrity or whatever, but it, it's, it's, you know, this is what I do, and and, and you got to be sincere and honest. You got to show really interest in them and the place. And, you know, they they're not there to make you famous. They're not there to, uh, you know, please you. They're there for the for the place. That's that's mm-hmm. right. And, and and you work you work hard, and that's. That's how you get them. You really do. You always work hard. And I mean, how working. many how many times are you approached by someone, and and you know they'll kind of like pull you aside and say, you know, oh well, I didn't want to say this in front of anybody else, but you know this this keeps happening. And do you think you could come by? I have people do that to me all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, and they yeah, they no, don't. I'll be I'll be, no, I'll be at a gathering and. Somebody will bring up the fact that I'm a ghost hunter, and then, you know, when the skeptics are off getting a, a beer out of the cooler or something, somebody will go, so you, you really do believe in this stuff, huh? Right. Yeah, my, my, my brother's got something going on in his apartment, and then they'll tell me the story because they're like, oh, you'll listen to me. Thank God, you know? So yeah. right. these stories come these stories come to us because, like Ron said, we're always doing it. We're, we're right. sincerely always researching, and you run into interesting people with interesting stories. And you know what the interesting thing you you brought up another interesting point and about the T-shirts and you know what when when I started the group uh, we did we went and got polo shirts and and that's what we did and now we're talking many many years ago and and I think most of the people who had any type of a well organized group at that time did the same thing they you know they. You know, it wasn't like a huge T-shirt. It was a you know, like ours is a polo, small little name on it. Right? But that's what we did. It just showed as a professionalism. Now that we, I mean, the original people that started doing ghost hunting, then you know, it only makes sense that that people we've taught, people we've associated with, would do the same thing. So the, the T-shirt thing, in reality, is is my fault. So I'll take the blame for it. <laughs> well, 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 no, no, it's fault. Your point. Your point's well made, Ron, because basically what you're saying is it was originally done as a very simple way of, like, wearing an ID tag. Because let's say you got invited exactly. To, exactly. Uh, to a business, and someone's going, okay, you're going to have, what, about four or five ghost hunters here tonight? Yeah. Well, how do I know if I see somebody wandering around if that's one of the ghost hunters? Well, we're all wearing the same shirt, so you'll be able to identify us immediately. So a security guard can go, okay, so everybody wearing a purple shirt with that white logo is a ghost hunter. Anyone else is either uh, someone broke in or they're a ghost. So people can be identified. But the point I'm making is, is people have taken that very intelligent, wise little little trick there of, of, of you know, IDing yourself as, as a member of the team, and they've turned it into literally a rock concert T-shirt. Like, it's like I have a, a ghost hunting group, and we have these awesome goth, heavy metal-looking T-shirts, and we haven't even <laughs> investigated one place. Because we have it's, it's part here. of the rock star. It's part of that rock star uh, uh, the fantasy that a lot of people right. are trying to live because of some of these TV shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I know. You know, the TV shows have been really good for ghost hunting in that they've opened up a lot of uh, yes. my stuff. But, but in, yes. in the reality, too, they've got people uh, involved for the wrong reasons as well. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Some, not all of them. Some some of them are no. very very well done, but some yeah. of them are just plain silliness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I mean, it isn't to me. It isn't um, having a TV show, and, and that's what it seems to be in the paranormal right now. Is that uh, you measure your success if you have a TV show, and mm-hmm. that's. That's really not the way it should be done. I mean, I know very well people who have had shows in the past, and unless they're out there working in, in conventions, they are almost forgotten. I mean, mm-hmm. they really, you know, there's a new generation out and everything else, and who, you, you had what, when was this, you know? <laughs> and it's, so it's really not as glamorous as people think it has. It, it, no. A lot of people that I know, you know, like Troy Taylor. Troy Taylor never had a TV show, but he's been around for, forever, and he yes. does very well. And, and people know him and respect his work. And there are dozens and dozens of well-known and respected ghost hunters who never had a TV show or never wanted to have a TV show right. and still are out there and they're well-respected in the community. Mm-hmm. Because it matters to them. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah it, you know, it, it matters. No, it, see, the, the thing is, you know, a lot of people like, you know, try to, you know, pay me nice compliments and go, you know, wow, Andrew, you're really fascinating. You should have your own TV show. And when I tell mm-hmm. them, no, that's just, that's not really what I'm about. And, you know, it kind of throws them because they think, well, that would be, a, you know, one of, one of the goals that they thought I'd be setting. But what <laughs> a lot of people don't realize is my father, uh, the late uh, Arthur Lake, uh, better known as Art Lake here in, uh, in Rhode Island, uh, my dad holds a world's record in broadcasting. My father was a pioneer in broadcasting. Really? He, he, was, he, he went to Emerson when it opened up, when Emerson was this, this little college in Boston that was going to be centered around um, uh, radio because it looked like radio was going to stay. It looked like it was going to be a, a medium <laughs> that was going to stay. So my father went in. He was there for barely a semester, and he was hired uh, along with Don Pardo by WJR in Providence just because of a demo uh, a professor sent down to, down to the outlet company. My father was told when he got the job, he, he was told that um, this is going to be a temporary job, and 61-plus years later, uh, he retired. <laughs> wow. And not even at, not even at the BBC. Uh, there were two guys that made it to 60, but not 61-plus. Wow. Uh, so the point is, is I used to hang out with my dad when he was in the radio booth, and I used to go in and, and watch him, uh, you know, do, do the weather. And, and uh, so, you know, I was, uh, you know, very proud of my dad. And very, very proud of what he did. And, uh, but for me, it, it didn't have the mystique. It was a job. Right. I was fascinated with what my dad did, but I didn't go in like, ooh, this is magic and fairies and, mm-hmm. and wonder. It's like, no, it was, just, it was just an interesting job. My father was a, was a broadcaster. And I'm that's sure that's he how he looked so, at it. Yeah, exactly. Well, he, was, yeah, yeah. he had a very professional attitude to it right. because that's the way he was trained. And uh, at a little funny side note, he also worked with uh, Ted Knight. And uh, anybody who oh, watched right. Mary Tyler Moore, Mary Tyler Moore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the character, the character of Ted Baxter was somebody that he and my dad worked with who was that ridiculous. <laughs> so Ted, Ted Knight was doing an impression of a guy that my father, he worked with, uh, and the guy was that big of a buffoon. That's my father used awesome. to just, used to just fall off his chair because he knew where each joke 
that Ted Knight was, uh, you know, doing where it came from, and, and he'd share the joke with us later. And uh, he'd just, just smile and go, you know, good for, you know, Ted, he, he made it, you know. That's great. Um, but, but, you know, it, it lost its mystique for me. A lot of people think that, like you said, Ron, you know, they think it's going to be this, like, incredibly wondrous thing. And what I'm hearing from behind the scenes is even some reputable people who, are, who have agreed to do, whether it's a one-off documentary or getting involved in a TV mm-hmm. series – you're at the mercy after you've signed a piece of paper. You're at the mercy of some producer going, "Look, this nothing's really happening here. Uh, mm-hmm. We gotta like jazz it up." And right. Even if the people, even if the people have enough spine and backbone to go, I'm not faking anything. They then have to be silly enough to walk around and go, "Hey, did you hear something? <laughs> hey, did you hear that?" And, you know, because the, you got a producer going, "Come on, we gotta make something happen." And then of course you hear these stories about pr- production companies actually doing stuff behind the investigators' backs trying to fool them. Uh, I don't know if anybody heard, but even in the first season of Finding Bigfoot, uh, Moneymaker uh, supposedly, uh, in a radio interview, said that he found out that 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 FLIR image they got in the first season wasn't some local who was walking around the woods messing with them. It was actually a member of the production staff. Nice. Nice. And so he he put a support. The way I hear it, I may have this wrong. But the way I heard it is he put his foot down and said, if you want to do another season of the show with us, um, that does never that never happens again. Wow. So the man had integrity and stood up for himself. But, um, I mean, Ron and you and I have been doing this long enough to know that some of these shows we watch, and it's like, nah, that didn't just happen. That's right. No, that's – nope, sorry, that's because you had a boring show and you had to jazz it up. So right. for me to do that, to sell my soul <laughs> just so I can – you know, brag that, oh, I was on such and such on blah, blah, blah channel. Mm-hmm. I'm just not into it. But, of course, people have come to me, like, you know, Ron right now with the radio and, and uh, you know, uh, Fox News um, uh, interviewed me once. And uh, I've been interviewed by my dad's channel, Channel Channel 10, and yeah. so on and so forth. And it's and it's fun. And, and to be honest with people, one of the main reasons why I agree to do it is I'm getting my name out there. And it's not because I want to get hired for a TV show. It's that I'm right. hoping someone will go, hey, this guy was actually sounded kind of intelligent. Maybe we should get in touch with him and ask him his opinion. <laughs> exactly. That's, when, that's exactly. the payoff. That's when you're like, yeah, all right, this paid off. I just got an interesting uh, – I'll give you a fine example of uh, you know just getting your name out there. Well, we got about I, 30 uh, seconds for the break. Oh, 30 seconds? Sorry. Well, we can, I, can, uh, I can hold off, but I do have a really yeah. good story about – how I was given a great case just by getting my name out there. We will do that. And then that's the important thing because, you know, when I started the Ghost Project, uh, I always was media-friendly, and that was one of the reasons. Be mm-hmm. So you can get there, so people can see you, and they can judge you. Uh, you know, is this guy real? Is he there? For what reasons is he here? You know, and, and that's what it's good for. Anyways, but uh, we're coming up to the beat, so it's time for our break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with the Blonde Bombshell and Kerrigan, New England's own Van Elson, Ron Kolick, right here on Tojanet Pararex, Ghost Channel, NBR. And our special guest, Andrew Lake, will be right back with the following messages. Welcome to Tojanet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more. Located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. 
We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more. All in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ian and our special guest this evening, Andrew Lake. There you go. Hey, Andrew, one thing I did want to mention... I was on actually Channel 10 once. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, we, we did a, a Halloween special down there. It was so funny, though, because we ended up, you know, so we always do, like, publicity thing. That we always want to get a picture taken wherever we get interviews. So we ended up right, getting a picture right. taken with, with the weatherman down there. <laughs> uh, was, it, was, it, was it Gary Lake? I think it was. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, because that was my, my dad's main career is he was a meteorologist. Actually, excuse me. He was a weatherman. There was no school for meteorology when my dad took that job over. No, uh, wait a minute, wait a no, no, wait a minute. Andy, I don't think, how, yeah. what, how long ago was that? Oh, let's see. Uh, my dad got the job in, what, 1944? Yeah. Um, and so he was on radio. He was, he was a DJ. My father was, was quite an authority when it came to jazz and, uh, and uh, swing and big band music. Uh, but by the time you know, rock and roll came in, it was like, ah, okay, well, TV, uh, you know, we're doing TV now, so I'll basically um, get more involved in TV. And he used to do news, sports, and weather. And then when uh, the industry decided, hey, we're going to have one guy uh, do the news, one guy do the sports, and one guy do the weather, they said, you know, Art, what, what are you more interested in? My father said, well, we live in New England, and the weather is, I find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. So my father literally taught himself meteorology. Uh, meteorology. And, That's and, cool. and, 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 my, uh, and, and John Giorsi, who is another – Another great guy down Rhode Island and a very good weatherman who just uh, he just retired a few years back. He was I think he went to URI when uh, shortly after they started teaching that at the at the university and he got hired at JAR and uh, he told me that after I left college and came here to, uh, to Channel Ten, your father taught me everything I know. Oh wow! So yeah, so you know that I was pretty impressed with the, the yeah. fact that uh, I'm not sure if yeah, my your father dad, or not. My dad had a very good, well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. Mm-hmm. No, that's okay. It's, I wasn't sure if your father or not, because it was only about uh, eight years ago, I think. Well, let's see. My father passed away four years ago this coming uh, November. Um, oh, no, well. he, he, he took yeah he took very ill in 2005, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, you you were gonna, you were mentioning something before we went to break. And we oh, yeah, we were talking about how, you know, like you said, you know, we, we, we don't go out to – uh, you know, we, we don't agree to these TV shows or newspaper interviews uh, for the fame. It's because you hope somebody's going to see the, the interview or read the interview and go, hey, let's get in touch with this guy. So, you know, when my book came out, I was hoping that, gee, I, you know, I hope this will draw some you know, attention and I'll get some interesting cases. And one of, the, one of the cases that came my way is I was asked to call a demolition company in Rhode Island, mm-hmm. and which I did. And they told me that they were given the job of removing – one of the old mills in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Unfortunately, the mill was too huge for anybody to want to buy it and try and heat it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, 
that unfortunately one, one of these these classic mills, large mill buildings had to be taken down. So this company was brought in to, to take it down very slowly and methodically and uh, and remove all the other uh, materials and, and recycle it and all that. And they started having problems on the site, on the final corner of the building. And it got to the point where they realized they were dealing with ghosts. They had ghosts messing with them. So I, I went to, to the site and sat in the mobile office, one of those trailers on the site, and talked to the president who'd been doing this for 40-something years, and his daughter actually worked for him as well. And uh, they looked me in the eye and, and told me that, no, we think we're dealing with the paranormal. And they proceeded to tell me some of the stuff that happened. Literally, um, the wrecking machine, the, 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 the crane that would rip the building apart in chunks, it would kept malfunctioning every time they drove it up to this section of building. And when they tow it away from the building and pull the, 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 you know, the thing apart, nobody could find anything wrong. Oh, wow. The darn thing would work, but wouldn't work. And, and then it got to the point where um, something very strange happened uh, involving a piece of material flying towards one of the vehicles and ne- nearly um, uh, impaling a guy. It went into the windshield God. and the guy ducked. Oh, and crap. the weird thing was is before this object came flying, people saw it happen. They said it defied physics, the way this beam came off the ground and went right at the vehicle. Oh, my God. Uh, and the guy, to- the guy told me that, you know, it, he, he ducked just in time. But he didn't uh-huh. tell me the whole story. And what was fascinating was to handle this, because I knew I wasn't going to be able to do a full nighttime investigation because they, they had to get to it. I brought two colleagues of mine, Tiffany Rice and Stephanie Burke, two very talented spirit mediums. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not going to tell you where I'm taking you, but you've got to meet me in Rhode Island and I'm going to drive you to the site. They knew exactly where I was taking them before um, I even pulled up to the property. They knew exactly. They started telling me right off the bat. And one of the gals, it was um, uh, Stephanie, turns to me and says, Andrew, did somebody nearly get killed on the job site recently? And this uh-huh. was only the day before. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, I'll let them tell you the story. So when it got, I told everybody to stay away from the girls. I told everybody when we show up, don't come near them because you'll block them. You may have too much psychic energy going on with you. You may have a loved one trying to talk to you, and they'll bother the girls instead of letting the girls concentrate in the building. Well, the girls hit on everything that that had happened on the site. I mean, they hit the nail right on the head with every single thing, and uh, they they said that yes, you've got. They've got ghosts in here that won't let go of the building, and they could see they could see a guy who looked like some kind of foreman or manager in uh, 1800s-style clothing and a very uh, sour woman and a little boy, um, and they were very upset that their dwelling was being ripped down and they didn't understand. So when they were done doing their walkthrough and came up with as much information as they could, I then told the president and his assistants and guys in the crew that they, they could come over to see if they could verify things that the girls had said. Mm-hmm. And Tiffany Rice looked at the guy and said, now, you're the one who nearly got, got killed. Something almost fell on you, right? And Steph's yeah. going, look at Adam Shake. And I said, yeah, these girls hit on this before we even pulled into the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And everyone's going, wow. But then Tiffany floored me when she looked at the guy and went, and just before the beam hit the truck, you saw your, your dead brother standing outside the cab. Oh, Jesus. And the guy nearly, the guy nearly fell over. I uh-huh. didn't even know this fact. The guy didn't even tell me this. He wow. nearly fell over, and he looks at us and goes, that's the truth. Uh, that's why I ducked. I looked over and saw my brother, who's been dead for many years, just standing right over there staring at me. Oh. And, the, it, and the instant he saw him, 
inside his brain he heard duck. Duck. That's, and he that's ducked, great. and the thing came through the cab and, and nearly hit him. But the, the punchline to the story that was really amazing is the Department of Environmental Management went to the site to see if all the T's were crossed and all the I's were dotted, removing all the, the material and especially the in-ground asbestos tanks that were right. in the ground that held the fuel for the factories. Mm-hmm. And when they were talking you know, to the, the, the construction uh, demolition uh, crew about it, they said they asked him, you know, while interviewing them, they said, um, "Is there, you know, any any other problems you had?" And the crew <laughs> chuckled and went, "Yeah, we had to deal with ghosts. We had two psychics come in here and had to talk to the ghosts and tell them to leave." <laughs> and they did. And the guy said, "No, nothing happened after when they said when the girls left, the work went absolutely smooth after that." Yeah. And the girls said they they told them to go live in the old building across the road. <laughs> and uh, so what happened is the woman from DEM was so blown away by this that she and, a, and a, another woman who writes an industrial magazine on just uh, in-ground tank removal. It's a very dry industrial magazine that's uh, yeah. online. It's, you don't buy it like Time magazine. Uh, they yeah. actually included myself in the story, and in the story talking about how you remove you know, uh, uh, building waste and in-ground tanks, you might run into ghosts who don't want you tearing the building down. Mm-hmm. So That's I'm great. probably the, the the only ghost hunter so far <laughs> in the history of ghost hunting that showed up in an industrial magazine on contamination and, and asbestos removal. You probably will be <laughs> the only one ever. <laughs> That's funny. Probably, and, and the the woman who interviewed me for the for the article. Um, she said, yeah, when, when they told us that, you know, we thought, wow, that, that's amazing. And then they found out uh, that there was another mill being tear, torn down, I think, in, I want to say, like, I want to say it was way out, out in Midwest. And the same thing happened to a company out there. The guy's, guy's uh, crew wouldn't come to work anymore because they were wow. seeing ghosts in the building they were taking down. Mm-hmm. So these two women decided, you know what, this is a legitimate problem. <laughs> People have to remove old buildings. Even if you don't believe in ghosts, maybe your crew does, right? And they'll be too superstitious to want to work. So, mm-hmm. how do you deal with it? You get yeah. yourself a reputable ghost hunter, <clears throat> some psychics, and talk to them and get them out of there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and that's and I've worked with uh, Stephanie and Tiffany, and they they are uh, fabulous. Are they? Um, oh, yeah. Lo- yeah, yeah, lovely you're... girls, right on the I money. I think I'm going to meet Tiffany at uh, Paranormal for Pause. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, I think you, you are. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Yeah, she will be there. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, no, it was just a fast, fascinating case. What uh, Tiff and Steph have helped me on a, on a on a few cases. We've had some funny moments. Uh, um, I remember uh, I brought them all the way down to Rhode Island because uh, there was a woman got in touch with me. She thought her late husband was still haunting the house, and and uh, Tiffany said he in fact was. But uh, everything else about the case we had to dismiss because when we walked into the house. The woman was so high, we were literally stepping on prescription medication. Oh, before. God. Oh, no. And what, it, what Tiffany told the woman right out, she said, you're absolutely right. You are hearing your husband walking around at night because the two of you were playing around with drugs. And he's mm-hmm. telling me that he died because of a drug overdose. And he's telling me to tell you to stop it and go get help right now or you're going to be where he is. Wow. So, it, I mean, it was a legitimate case of a haunting, but, but um, right. you couldn't really investigate it because you really couldn't trust your witness, but I could trust right. Tiffany. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's true. You know, you also bring up another good point, and, and that is uh, taking what the clients give you as far as uh, circumstance. A lot of these places you, we get to investigate, uh, you know, a 
other groups have tried to go to them, uh, but their their businesses, uh, a lot of them, they're open all the time, and everybody wants. Once again, I think this goes back to the TV shows. They want you know the place empty. They want all the lights off. They want no activity, and and you know these businesses. That's what they do. They they are businesses, so mm-hmm. they, you know what they'll say. You know what we can't do that. If you want to come in and you, you want to walk around, you want to investigate with the lights on with people here, then you're welcome to it. But otherwise, we can't do it. And so many have turned them down and missed out on good good locations because they're not willing to work with the uh, the persons and and the limits they put on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, what, and yeah, when is the stuff happening? It's not happening in the middle of the night with the lights out. It's happening no. in the middle of the day, in the middle of service or whatever you're doing. Exactly. You know, <laughs> it's not waiting until 2 a.m. I would handle that because what I think is more important is their experiences. What I'd want to do is go, well, what would be a good time for me to come in and sit discreetly like in the manager's office you know, where you know when he's got like you know, you know like oh, yeah, that's a to, given that you got to get you got to get the interviews. Yeah, yeah, just sit there and talk to him because the most important thing is sure. to, to look the person in the eye and hear their stories because mm-hmm. that's one of the ways we can help people is just to be there so exactly. they can talk to somebody who's going to listen to them and understand what they're explaining to them. Because as a ghost hunter, the story is the most important part for me. Not that I'm going to later sell it in a book. But, I mean, that's how you start the investigation. You try and hear what is the attitude of the haunt, what is the theme of the haunt, what is the pace, what is the, what is the motivation of the haunt. And you're going to learn that much better by hearing from the eyewitnesses. Even if it's only a, a 20, 30-minute visit during a busy workday at their business, you can then go off and, and, and be able to just sit there like a detective and think, okay, what is the pattern? What seems to be the motivation of this haunt? Is it just a residual thing that freaks people out when it happens? Or is somebody trying to communicate something? Is it going to turn into a negative? Or are we just dealing with some lonely thing trying to get attention? You don't need to shut the guy's business down and wander around in it to help him. Uh, it, if you're if you're solely doing that, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, then you're just a group who's out to see if you can catch that piece of evidence and get it on my ghost story caught on tape. <laughs> and and that's not helping the client. <laughs> so what you do is you get to know them. You say, here's my number, here's my email. Stay in touch with me. If this stuff freaks you out, if something happens, call me and. I'll tell you, I have some people that do call me on a regular basis. I tell them, look, I'm never going to be able to solve this haunting completely. I'm most likely not going to be able to stop it from continuing. I, I doubt that highly. So I know you're not nuts. This, I believe this place to be haunted. I believe you're dealing with something. Here's my number. Here's my email. Something happens, it rattles your cage. By all means, call me and talk to me. Now, I know that's going out on a limb in some some people can take advantage of that, and you become like their psychiatrist, but not that often. <laughs> and, and plus, as a ghost hunter, collecting these stories and, and, and examining them, um, a phone call or an email, um, you can get a lot of information out of that. Instead of shutting someone's business down or telling them, get all your family members out of the house, go watch a movie, because we want to walk around your house with all our fancy gadgets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> if the, you know what? I would do that. If the homeowner or the business owner goes, yeah, but, you know, I, 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 I wish you could do something for me, Andrew. What's that? Can you please get some, something that I can show others to go, look, this, this happens. This guy caught this thing either on camera, 
video, audio, whatever. And then it's like, oh, yeah, well, certainly I can get a team together. And if you can give me the, the building and, and let me, you know, have a quiet time where I know I can, I know all the sounds, I know what's going on. Yeah, I'll try and see if I can stir something out of the environment and see if I can catch something on infrared, see if I can, um, you know, get something on a recorder. But even better, bring in my spirit mediums and see if they can get any kind of communication. Because if that would make you feel better, if I can hand you an EVP that you can turn to your wise Alec brother-in-law and go, yeah, will you explain this? Because sometimes that's what somebody would like to have. So, yes, an investigation of that nature would help the client. That, but that's the another client interesting really point, too is that, you know, a lot of people chase the clients away. But when I do an investigation, I want them there because they're the ones that, that are at the house all the time or the business or wherever it is. I want them there. I want to know if there's an interaction between them and whatever's there. Are they the trigger? Right. Mm -hmm. are, are, they, hey. are, are you dealing with somebody who is very psychic and doesn't even know it? I have a case like that ongoing in situate. The woman um, I knew after talking to her for a few minutes, when she first called me, she was the trigger. And we've basically, I can't prove it, but myself and my colleagues are absolutely, you know, we'll stake our reputation on it, that the homeowner is very psychic and she is the psychic trigger in the environment, as well as a couple of other people who occasionally visit the house, children mostly, an autistic child for one. Uh, and it's she that seems to trigger it. So yeah, she was the same way when I first came over. Do you want me and, like, everybody to leave? And I'm like, no, this stuff seems to be revolved around you, your mom, and your teenage son. So if you guys can be here and we'll see if, you know, you know something stirs things up. And when nothing happens, sometimes I joke with people and go, ah, I don't think ghosts like me, so they're hiding. They're, they're, they know what I'm up to and they don't want to help me out, you know. <laughs> you know, I make jo jokes like that. But you got to be persistent. So I guess my point being is, is you don't have to, as a ghost hunting team or even as an individual you shouldn't be shooting for immediately like okay let's hurry up and make an appointment so i can use all my gadgets in the dark <laughs> let's hear the story let's hear the story let's listen to the people you got to be a cop so you don't get fooled you know you, you don't know if you're dealing with somebody who's not wrapped too tight you don't know if you're dealing with a with a uh someone who's just pulling your leg to laugh at you uh or whatever the case might be so your first approach to the person, you have to be kind of like a detective and read their body language and really listen to them. And sometimes you can go, nah, this person's lonely and delusional. And, you know, uh, you know I'll, I'll look into a few things here and there, but I got that gut feeling that there's nothing here. But when you can look somebody in the eye and you can read their facial, facial muscles and their body language, and you can hear that, that certain tone in the voice when they're telling their stories, and you know, no, this person's dealing with something that's really got them wondering and make rattle their cage, then it's like, okay, I'm on it. I'm here to help this person. This person's helping me by sharing this story. They're helping me by bringing an interesting case that might uh, educate me and teach me something I didn't know. So I'm here to help them, and they're here doing something for me. They're giving me a case to research and look into. It may pan out to nothing, or it may be something that will absolutely just blow me right out of the water right. and make me go, wow, that stuff does happen. I witnessed it. I recorded it. Or, uh, I, you know, I was there when it happened, whatever the case might be. And that's, that is so valuable. Uh, the woman who interviewed me for that, that industrial magazine, she said, now how much does your group charge for this? And I said, no, no, no. <laughs> well, that's, you know, I said, that, that, nobody charges uh, anymore. No. They do, they shouldn't be in it. So, I mean, that's a simple answer. Yeah, so that. she was like, but, she was like, really? She goes, you don't yeah. charge anything. And I explained to her what I just said. I said, no, yeah. they're paying me 
by letting me coming into their environment Excellent. and sharing these yep. these intimate personal accounts. Right. So, anyways, we are you are listening to Andrew Lake right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and Ron. Uh, if anybody has a question, they can certainly ask uh, for Andrew or, or uh, Ann or myself. You can go into the Pararex or the Tojinet chat room and ask there, or you can call in at 877-864-4869. Uh, Ann, you've been kind of quiet. Do you have any questions you, you want to add? Or? <laughs> I've just been I've been busy listening to Andy and uh, all his experiences, and I mean, it's it's true. You have to think when you go out to some of these homes. I mean, if this particular person wasn't living here, would these things still be happening? Right. You know, that's and the old thing. If is if there are no people, is a house haunted? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but any, anyways, one question I did want to ask, and you, were you asking a question? You said an ah there for a minute. No, no, I'm done. Nope, go ahead. Okay. I, I want to know how you got involved in this, Andrew. Uh, uh, I mean, what 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 got you involved, in, in, and how did you learn what you've learned? Uh, well, I'm, I'm 49 years old now, so uh, it, it all started for me when I was 11 years old. That's when I had my first encounter. It was in Situate, Massachusetts. It was at an old um, home owned by some family friends. It was an, um, an old Victorian-style uh, house that um, was used by uh, this family. Uh, they shared it amongst the family as a beach house. And um, uh, I was staying uh, there overnight uh, for, you know, I think we were there were like, for like three days in the summer. And uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, which was odd because usually when you're a kid at the, the beach running around the sun all day and swimming and everything, I had no trouble sleeping in that house. I would I would fall asleep. I'd been there a couple of times before, and usually I'd, I'd sleep like a rock, no problem. But I woke up in the middle of the night, this very quiet uh, house that had nearly no insulation, and the floorboards you were standing on on the second floor were the uh, ceiling boards downstairs, so mm-hmm. you could literally... You could literally get on your knees and look through the cracks and see people walking around directly below you in the kitchen. Uh, if, if you didn't have any lights on at night in that upstairs room and somebody had the lights on in the kitchen, the light would actually come up through the floor. Right. <laughs> uh, so that's why nobody lived there in the winter. That house would have been absolutely insane to try and keep warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the families just close it up for the winter and then go open it up in the spring. And, and like I said, they'd all throughout the family, the cousins and the brothers and all that, they'd all... Uh, share the home throughout the summer. So I was in this house. I think this was probably my third visit as a, as a kid. And I was, I woke up 2.35 in the middle of the night. House is incredibly quiet. My bedroom door is open. Uh, I'm sleeping with uh, my buddy uh, whose family owns the house. He's sleeping in the, the bed uh, next to me in the little room. The door is open and the stairs to go downstairs is right, literally like right outside my door. And that stair, stairs creaked like a son of a gun as did all the floor surfaces. So when I woke up, the house was quiet, and I couldn't hear anybody moving around or anything. And I thought, why am I awake? And I looked out the window and saw the moon hanging over the house. It was nearly full, very quiet night. And then all of a sudden, downstairs, directly below me in the kitchen, with no lights on, I'm hearing someone moving chairs, opening cupboards, clanking bowls, clanking silverware, glasses, all this commotion like a dinner is being laid out, but there's no lights. And then it dawns on me, there's no footsteps. Uh-huh. No, there's nothing. And the family I was with were very 
dry, serious German-American family, and they ate three meals a day, and they went to bed at the same time, and they got up at the same time, their family weren't midnight snackers. So I'm laying there, and, and most importantly, the house had a weird feeling. And then the sounds just abruptly stopped, and I never heard anyone walk out of the kitchen. And if they came back upstairs, they would have had to come up the stairs right by my open door. Right. And the weird thing is, it happened again the next night. I woke up at exactly 2.35, same <laughs> vibe in the house, same commotion downstairs. Wow. And when I told my friend about it, he's, to this day, my friend Eric uh, is a very dry, skeptical person. He tried to dismiss it, and I could tell I was rattling his cage a little bit when I was telling him it. And he looks at me, and he goes, well, maybe it's my great aunt. She died in the house. Oh. So I looked at him, like, and I thought he might have been pulling my leg, and I went downstairs like an 11-year-old boy, not thinking. I went up to his father, and I, and I said, I said uh, you know, is it, is it true your aunt died in this house? And he looked at me very sternly and went, Andrew, we don't talk about that. Oh. And I said, oh, I'm very sorry. And he pointed to the picture on the stairs, and he goes, that that's her. She lives in this house. There you go. So, and then two years later in England, I had an encounter with a ghost that a friend of ours encountered uh, on the, uh, a trip to the very same uh, uh, part of the country, and they stayed in the same house we stayed in. And we didn't tell anybody about the ghost story. My mom and I had this encounter with them. some groaning, breathing thing. Sounded like it was dragging something around in the uh, the upstairs, and it was uh, pretty spooky. And years later. A friend of ours stayed in that house, and when we asked how their trip went, first thing out of his mouth was, oh, fine, except for that haunted house your mom put me up in. <laughs> and he described the same exact phenomena, and my mom and I were, like, vindicated. You know, wow. we're not nuts. Somebody else experienced it. That's so great. So I was basically, by the age of 13, I was, I was basically hooked. And uh, when my dad got ill, I, I, I pledged that, you know, uh, my parents weren't going into a nursing home when they got old and and sick, so I, I wanted to take care of my dad and keep him home. So once I walked away from the nine-to-five life, which wasn't doing me any good, the instant I did it, I was like, okay, I now have the mobility to do what I've always wanted to do. I don't care if people are going to call me nuts. And then the ghost show started, like Ron said, and they opened right. people's minds. So I figured, this is it. I've got the time. People's minds are open to it. Full throttle. And since I started in 2005... Uh, I haven't stopped. That I'm not a day doesn't go by that I'm not doing something connected to a case or just research in general. Uh, that's terrific. I mean, not everybody gets that opportunity, you know. If yeah. You do it. No, nobody does. But yeah. I've been told over and over again by uh, by psychics, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. By the way, Andrew. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, I'll look at them. I keep hearing this, and they're like, "Yeah, this is what you were supposed to be doing." You're 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 as you know you're a storyteller. They keep telling me uh, you, you you help people. And you I, help would people you know. <laughs> I would agree so, with that. I agree with that. So that was and, uh, that was the doorbell. I heard the pizza from the dead. So pizza from the dead here. <laughs> yes, I heard that. So it's oh, time to wrap it up. We've been speaking with uh, Andrew Lake from uh, Greenville Paranormal Research, and who we will be with at the haunted Hooten Mansion uh, this weekend up in. North Adams, and I believe there's still some tickets available, and they can be purchased from the website, which is, Andrew, you know their website off here? Uh, it's legendtripping.com. 
There you go. LegendTrips.com. Excuse me. LegendTrips.com. You can go to our website, which is N-E, the letter N, the letter E, GhostProject.com, and links on there as well. So, Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show, and we'll see you this weekend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, bud. All right. Take care. Bye. Take care, Andy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Ann. That was pretty cool. Oh, my goodness. He loves to talk. Yeah, he does. He is a storyteller. That is absolutely correct. Very, very. He's a great guest, though. Very, yeah, he very, was. And, and I'm looking forward this weekend as well, so we, we should have a great time up there. Doing yes. some investigating uh, and yeah. meeting uh, some old friends and everything, so it'll be good. It's going to be awesome. So anybody care to join us? See if you can get some tickets and come on, come on out. There you go. So anyways, it's uh, time to wrap it up. Uh, You've been listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann Carrigan and Ron Kolick and right here on Tojanet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and beyond. So I guess that's time to wrap it up. Anything you bring in special this weekend that I should know about? Uh, Not that I know of other than my sparkling personality. Oh, okay. Fine. We'll we'll settle. We'll settle for that. So, All right. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. <laughs>